The Ethereum Society proudly presents this series of podcasts in tribute to the 50th anniversary of the giving of the 12 blessings. The following podcast is on the third blessing. Blessed are they who love. This podcast was recorded in front of a live audience at the American headquarters of the Ethereum Society in Hollywood, California. The co-hosts were the Reverend Gary Blaze and the Reverend Paul Nugent. Well, welcome everybody to the podcast on the third blessing, Blessing Are They Who Love. And just a reminder that this program is part of a a schedule that we have during the coming year to recognize the 50th anniversary of the giving of the 12 blessings to this earth. So I hope you enjoy it. And I'm Gary Blaze, and we have here the uh, well-known Paul Nugent, Uh, And him and I hopefully will uh, team up and be able to share some information which may find some inspiration and may help a few people along the way. Anything you want to add to that? Uh, No, um, I don't think so, Gary. Thanks very much for that. I I know you wanted to say a little bit about the metaphysics of prayer, though. Gary, incidentally, um, is somebody who is very experienced in the art and science of prayer, probably as much as anyone I know in the Ethereum Society. And uh, it's something which Gary practices every day. And Gary, please tell us you know, what you can, what you know a little bit about the metaphysics of prayer. Well, first of all, thank you for that, Paul. Um, we know that the practice of the 12 blessings has many components to it. And it's a, an incredible spiritual practice We can do great good for others. We do great good for the world. But it's also a mechanism by which we can help ourselves and do good for ourselves and help us to evolve and sensitize ourselves. And I just want to look at a few points within the practice of the 12 blessings and and pick on these and go into them a little bit more in depth so that uh, hopefully we can have a greater understanding of of what happens uh, when we do practice these great mystic teachings given to the earth by the Master Jesus through the very unique channeling of Dr. George King, a unique master par excellence on the earth. As we know with the 12 blessings, there are two parts. Number one, we send out energy to the 12 different focal points. We send out our love, we send out our appreciation, we send out our blessing to strengthen and support and thank these 12 different focal points. And then we also use a prayer at the end of most of these blessings to send out power and love to the world. So it really has two main parts that are attached to it. And we know, and it's always good to remember, that when we send out this power to the 12 different focal points, and when we send out the energy to the world through our prayers, we receive energy back. We receive an energy back from these focal points. When we send out energy to blessed are they who love, we receive 
energy back from the group soul of they who love. Sengu Ling describes this occult principle in this way, and this is the Master Sengu Ling. It is a certain fact that if man builds upon a path through the ether and sends upon this path his love and blessings towards a master, he receives great power, which is sent back along the same path as that used in the first place. So we're getting a confirmation of this occult principle from a very highly elevated master within the Great White Brotherhood, the Master Senku Ling. So this same occult principle applies when we're sending energy to the Lord Buddha or the Master Jesus or the Master King or any other master that we revere, we get an energy back, a blessing back through that same path our prayers went out. And of course, this occult principle applies to our practice of the 12 blessings as well. When we're sending our energy out to the different focal points, we're creating this path through the ether through which energy will travel back through the same path back to ourselves. And we can probably guess Uh, that the more that we do this, the more energy that we sent out and the more that we do it on a regular basis, the more powerful this pathway we will build up through the ethers becomes. The cleaner this pathway, the more profound will be the pathway. And by doing this, we not only are able to transmit a greater energy to the source of our prayers or blessings, but also the energy traveling back I believe, will be a bit uh, unhindered and cleaner that it comes back to us. Absolutely. I mean, the only thing that I would like to perhaps add to that, which may well be covered in the ninth blessing itself, we're not here to discuss the ninth blessing, but based on what Gary is saying, the Master Jesus goes on to say that as you bless these entities and that power and energy comes back to you, then you will discover a satisfaction beyond all words. And certainly in my own experience from, from using the 12 blessings, that is very much the case. The, the only thing that I would perhaps add to what Gary has just said is that when one does invoke the blessing and literally send the power to the entity, in this case, blessed are they who love, and you let, allow your power to flow to this group soul, That energy comes back, again, as Gary has described, perhaps in a greater manifestation of the love that you have sent out yourself, which builds you up. And so then when you go into the prayer that is given at the end of nine of these blessings, you've got more energy, more inspiration to then put into the prayer to raise humanity, which to a very large extent, one could say, is the primary purpose, at least at this stage, of the whole principle of the 12 blessings. Paul made a very important point, which we're going to get into a little bit more, about this process of building up. And we talked about sending energy to the focal point and receiving a blessing and energy back. And, of course, the same thing happens when we say the prayer is at the end of most of the blessings. We send this energy out on behalf of of humanity on behalf of the world to raise, inspire, to heal, uplift, and we also receive a blessing back from the universal source from the energy we do send out. The important thing to remember that everything hinges on the law of karma. The law of karma makes action 
and reaction opposite and equal. What we send out, we get back, no more, no less. If we send out highly uplifting, powerful, strengthening, love-filled energy, then we'll get the exact same uplifting, strengthening, powerful, love-filled energy back. And this brings up to the very important point, which Paul touched on very briefly. The regular practice of the 12 blessings is a very powerful way of building us up as spiritual powerhouses. Very powerful way. And um, again, the, the main purpose of the blessings is to render service to humanity, but let's, we're concentrating on a different part of it for now. And so it's a very powerful way of building us up. And as Paul had mentioned, and let me just take that a little bit further, say, Mary Jo Kabibi is able to send out five units of energy currently, and she sends this five units of energy out, and she receives the blessing back from the source of five units of energy. Well, she's a little bit more powerful than what she was before. So maybe she's able to send out seven units of energy, and she receives seven units back, and she becomes a little bit more powerful. And she sends out, instead of seven, she sends out 12 units of energy and gets 12 back. And this cycle of building up and building up and building up continues. And it's incredibly powerful, and it's really ingenious, this this occult principle behind that practice. It's something, actually, that um, Dr. George King talks about on his lecture on the third blessing, which some of you may be familiar with, uh, where he himself experienced through this this form of prayer, through through tremendously dynamic prayer, and of course he was a master of this yoga, of this science. He had all kinds of manifestations, including uh, levitation, and including feeling t- tremendous heat, white heat, going through his fingers. But in saying that, he makes the point uh, very deliberately that that is not. The, the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is not so that, wow, I can levitate. If that happens to you, if you get some kind of manifestation, and I know some people have had certain manifestations, you still remain absolutely focused on what you're doing with the prayer because that's your motive, that's your purpose, to send energy out. In fact, that is, to a very large extent, what we're all here to do, to bring the energy down from a higher source and bring it onto this physical plane, which perhaps we'll, we'll elaborate, Gary, as we get into, into this third blessing. Well, we'll just go on a little bit more along these, these current lines from the metaphysical point of view. This building up process, Master King had talked about it when he said the 12 blessings constitute a system of sacred practices by the continued use of which the student can avail himself of the energy necessary to gain enlightenment, and that the student can be energized to such an extent which enables him to be of great service to all of humanity. So this great building up process uh, enables us, certainly it helps us on many different levels, but enables us to become a more powerful server in a world that desperately needs our help. I just want to touch on briefly a couple of some of the other benefits of us doing the practices. And we talk about sensitization. Now, the doing the practice of the 12 blessings sensitizes us in at least two ways. Number one, when we draw down the energy and send it out, right? 
And then the rebound energy that comes back to us and back through us sensitizes us again. So it's a practice of sensitizing us. The master had talked about that it puts pressures on certain chakras or psychic centers, uh, causing them to gradually open and become far more active. And he says that gradually subtle forces can begin to operate in the spinal column, which will, of course, uh, lay the groundwork for deeper mystical states. And the last point I do want to make is the practice of the 12 blessings is an important aspect of nani yoga, or the yoga of wisdom. As our master said, it is designed to give us a greater awareness, a greater appreciation, a greater love for all things, a greater awareness and a greater appreciation of your own importance and position among all things, and your own insignificance in the relation to all things. It is given so that the student may better prepare himself for the journey into the enlightened state of cosmic consciousness. What does that really mean? Let's look at a person who, whose concept of, of God and creation consists of a, an adult, usually male, sitting up in the clouds as separate from everything else. And then let's look at people who are fortunate enough to be exposed to the teachings of the, the great teachers throughout the ages and certainly what we have here in the 12 Blessings where it gives a, a very different view of God in creation. And by thinking these thoughts that we find within the 12 Blessings, they begin to change us. Our thought pattern begins to change. We begin to vibrate differently. By holding certain thoughts, we attract certain other thoughts to us. When we have certain thoughts within our minds, other thoughts generate from them. So this aspect of nani-yoga is an incredibly important one that really needs uh, some deep thought on all of our parts. And I do want to throw out one thing about that. This nani-yoga, this yoga of wisdom and how a thought can change ourselves. Master King talked about the fact that in relation to karma, there was a concept that he had expressed at one time, and he said that this concept of karma, which I won't give you fully what he said, but what he said about karma uh, was a thought that was introduced from outside of this earth, that this thought was not capable of being understood or could be easily manifested by man or woman upon the earth. And this thought of karma had to be introduced from the outside. And one sort of hint with that thought is you can take into your contemplations is when the master talks about the law of karma, which is God. One wonders what other thoughts are being prevented from coming through to humanity at at this stage of our evolution. Well, Gary, are we, are we ready, do you think, to uh, go into this particular blessing? I think so, Paul. What about you? I'm ready. I'm ready. So let's begin as we've begun the two previous blessings by bringing ourselves to a point of stillness, by closing the eyes and placing the palms downwards upon the knees with the spine erect the head tilted slightly backwards 
And let's visualize coming down now from the ethers of space above a wonderful living white light. And see this entering the top of your head, charging the brain as we take it down through the neck and the shoulders and outwards into our heart center, this living white light of God. expanding in the heart center. And now let us think down beneath our feet, way down to the very Logos of the Mother Earth. And there let us visualize a violet flame. And now, in all humility, let us request this violet flame to come upwards through our feet and the lower part of our body Take it right the way up through and around the body and up above the top of your head as high as you can visualize and see and feel yourself being cleansed by this soft violet flame of the Mother Earth. Now let's raise our hands as we tune in to the vibration of the Master Jesus as he delivers the heading to the third blessing. Blessed are they who love, for they are the disciples of God. That's quite a statement. And again, I'd ask Gary if you'd like to just elaborate on your understanding of that. Personally, I feel that that statement itself is one of the most profound that affect me that talks about the significance of love and those who use this energy property. When they're talking, the Master Jesus says, Blessed are they who love, for they are the disciples of God. Not a disciple of Jesus, not a disciple of Buddha, not a disciple of George King, but a disciple of God, not a disciple of uh, a perfect of Saturn or a lord of karma, but a disciple of God. And in that one sentence encompasses, I think, the whole essence about the importance of the power of love. And uh, Swami Sivananda talked about that where love is, God is, sort of echoing what Michael said, uh, where love is, God is, and so always express love, and by doing that, you will be expressing the godliness, and God will be present there at the same time. Now, Paul's got some ideas on different subjects. Well, I do, Gary, but first of all, I think if we can just play the the next extract from uh, Dr. King's lecture talking about what love is. The third blessing says, Blessed are they who love, not blessed are they who possess. Love and possession are two very, very different things. They are not twins. Pure 
love is above emotion, is above all sex, because S-C-X is not L-O-V-E, not on this earth or any other earth. Among the animals, well, maybe, but not among anything above animals. Two very different things. There are two different psychic centers working. When the sex center begins to be highly stimulated, this causes electrons within the brain to move in a certain direction. And the result of this movement is a certain charge which manifests itself by a positive-negative union. That is what sex is. It's not a thing that's necessary, it's a thing that some people believe to be necessary. L-O-V-E can exist above all that type of thing. Love is an energy which is not, shall we say, taken in or radiated out by the sex center, but by the heart center, which is a very, very much higher center. Very much higher. The heart center is here, just in front of the body. It's like a huge flower or a vortex of power. It's joined by a thin line of what the yogis call nadis or subtle nerves, a thin channel to the spine in between the shoulder blades. If you take out the plug from your bath, uh, after you've had a bath, you notice the water go round in a circle like that. If you were to throw some colors, it's worth doing, throw some colored paint or colored ink into the bath, you would see the colors whirled round. Well, if you multiply the whole thing, you have some little idea of what a heart center looks like. Tremendous vortex of power through which energies are brought into the subtle bodies and out from the subtle bodies out to the world as a whole at tremendous velocities. It's said by Bishop Leadbeater and other occultists that the energies around the heart center and the throat and the Christ center travel at something like four or five million times the speed of light. Tremendous velocities are reached by these subtle energies. One of those energies is called L-O-V-E. It's a usable, workable energy like electricity is a usable, workable energy, but it's on a very, very much higher vibratory rate than electricity and it can't be sent down wires, but can be sent in and out of psychic centers of mankind. The statement given by the Master Jesus in this blessing after he gives the blessing to they who love, for they are the disciples of God, he goes on to say, these ones often in great pain and anguish themselves think naught of this, but do transmute the very forces of holy nature into this mighty energy called love, so that they may give it freely to those who need it. 
And I think it probably pays just to sort of try and give some explanation as much as Gary and I are able to do a little bit more precisely as to what that means, these ones often in great pain and anguish themselves. It actually ties in to the fourth blessing, to the planetary ones, where, again, the Master Jesus speaks of the pain and anguish of these ones, how they suffer in a thousand psychological ways, and where he also speaks of the unspeakable hell of terrible aloneness. And so when the Master Jesus is describing they who love, these disciples of God, they are ones who have taken up existence in a human body upon this very backward earth at this time, where they literally take on terrible karma, our karma, which can cause them physical pain, but perhaps more commonly, yes, the unspeakable hell of terrible aloneness because of their living in an unenlightened world. They're living in a very dark, violent, cruel, crime-ridden, war-torn world, which must inevitably, because of the love that they know which exists, cause them this tremendous pain and anguish. And one can perhaps see this, how we can all see this, at this particular time that we're giving this particular talk, because as we've seen the terrible cyclone in Myanmar and the earthquake in China, which has caused such tremendous, unbelievable, unspeakable suffering for people of all ages, losing children, children losing parents, losing wives, husbands, the pain of losing limbs. And for, for us, at our level of evolution, we are feeling this pain. And it's, it's a wonderful thing to see that already there is around the world this, this tremendous sense of shared suffering and grief but just imagine how much greater that must be for a great enlightened master to see and feel that pain that is taking place. And as we know, the root of our primary pain on this earth, it's our own ignorance, our own ignorance that God is all. To them, God is all, which leads into another statement in this wonderful text, and that is that these ones possess naught, for they have given it all to their brothers, because they know from their enlightened state that there literally is nothing to possess. And actually, as we've heard in another transmission from the Master Aetherius, we don't even possess our fingernail. It's not possible to possess. And so these ones are living among us, in this world, where the way we exist at this time, possession to us is all, or virtually all, including possession of our own family, with this family tie that we have, and possession of material things, and how this is 
in its own way an aspect of ignorance because in the reality which these masters are aware of, it's all absolute oneness. As we've also been told, we actually have no nearer relative than our enemy. And so this is how these ones suffer living among us, and yet they bring down the great forces of, of love energy and bring it onto this physical plane to help raise us up. I just want to backtrack a little bit very briefly, uh, going back to what Master King talked about, about love. And I think it's fair to say that love and meditation are probably the two most misunderstood words on earth, at least from the perspective of the teachings of the Cosmic Masters and Dr. George King. And the, Dr. King was the first person to introduce this concept of love to be something other than emotion, to be other than feeling, but to be something far greater than that, to be an energy. But he is the first that I'm aware of who has brought these teachings about love into the world. And, you know, as Paul was talking about, he says that um, these ones possess not. We have to remember that love is not possession. You cannot possess something and love something at the same time. That this love is a great, transmuting, vibrant, living, universal energy that is universal and unconditional. You know, it's above like, it's above dislike. We might not like someone, but we certainly should be able to love that person. Well, as Dr. King himself said, you can love the world without liking it. Exactly. And actually, Mars Sector 6, in the second freedom of love, he makes what to us at this stage of our evolution would appear to be a very controversial statement when he says love, this is Mars Sector 6, love is sacrifice, real sacrifice. Because commonly on earth, we don't like sacrifice. And uh, I'm sure many people would disagree with that statement. But if you, if you really think about it, it's actually what it is, because these masters who come here and take on gross limitation, terrible karma to be among us, they are sacrificing themselves. And as you look throughout all of creation, and as these blessings go on and on, and as they build and they build, the Mother Earth is sacrificing for mankind, those of us upon her, her back, as the sun is sacrificing, so that all life within this solar system can gain experience. And, of course, beyond that, into the supreme lords of karma and the galaxy and on and on and on. And at the root of it all is the absolute itself. And it's an irony because, of course, we don't want sacrifice, but what is contained within that sacrifice is tremendous, unspeakable love. And just to add something with that, the fact Paul had mentioned earlier is that if you're going to love unconditionally, you must be able to love all things equally. And in fact, the Master talked about, and he said that if we were to experience freedom, and he phrased it, and it was written with a capital F, as in the, the great spiritual freedom, if, if we were to experience freedom, we would need to be able to learn to love all things equally. 
And we can't do that with possession. We can't do that with any of the other lower manifestations of love. So that, again, is an example of the great importance that the Master talked about with love. In fact, that the Masters have said, and I think this is an incredible point, that our divine love should be so powerful, so radiant, so all-encompassing within our heart that hatred and anger and anything else like that doesn't have a place to live. And we can always gauge, I guess, how effective and what kind of a place love has in our heart by, if we're honest with ourselves, gauging some of the other emotions that somehow find its way into our mind and, and expression. But that's the, uh, and a good example about how the importance that they think of love. Of course, our master, when he talked about love, to differentiate it between the emotion or basic love, he would spell it out, L-O-V-E. Swami Sivananda talked about cosmic love, to differentiate between the, the basic emotional love that uh, humanity has become familiar with throughout the ages. Well, there you go, Gary, right here in the text. For such sacrifice as this can only come from the hearts of the cosmic lovers and how they love not any man because they love all. So we're talking about very elevated uh, masters who, in this next sentence, in this particular blessing, these are the ones who will save the pitiful ones, us. For these are they who will become the very essence of the heartbeats of the pitiful ones. For they will be instrumental in helping greatly to transmute the only devil which exists upon this earth. The devil, of course, being ignorance. And they will do it through their sacrifice, through their pain and suffering, but by drawing down this, this great love energy, this cosmic energy, and through prayer, bringing it, and through their whole being, bringing it onto this physical plane which uplifts us all. Any questions? In reference to the possession, um, I wanted to know how many times we have to give up our possessions. Because, like, for instance, in my case, when my family left Poland, we left with, like, maybe four small suitcases and $5 to each person. So we had $20 total for the whole family. So we had, like, a whole brand-new start here in the United States. And it was a very humbling experience because it's not just giving up possessions, whatever, the place that you live, the money that you have, but you're giving up your friends, you're giving up your relatives, you're giving up everything, and you are like totally stripped. And I thought my father was very brave because Poland was communist at that time, just a very difficult place to live in, uh, and people were very suppressed and there was no freedom. So he, he did this. He had very good reasons for doing that, but anyway, I thought it was... A gigantic uh, uh, step of bravery uh, coming to a country where you don't speak the language and you absolutely have nothing. So like what I wanted to know is since I already gave up a lot now, do I have to do it again? Well, it's a, it's a very good question because it, you know, it's, it's a question that applies to us all in certain ways. Off the top of my head, I think one way of looking at it is to give up our attachment to these things because we all need basic 
possessions. Uh, we all need somewhere to live. We all need clothes. We all need food, a refrigerator, a, a car, if you're living in Los Angeles, and various things like that. But I think, as I say, what it really means is, is giving up our attachment to these things so that if they are taken away from us, then it doesn't destroy our lives. And a, a very good case in point is um, people I know, good friends of mine, they lost recently in, in a fire. They lost their home. And rather than be very, you know, traumatized by that experience, they literally were able to let it go, walk away. And as a result, uh, interestingly enough, what has manifested back is even greater than what they had before. They were able to relinquish this whole concept of possessions, if one can do that. And I think that that is, as I say, um, the way of trying to see it is giving up your attachment So even if you do accumulate things, you're not attached to those possessions. I think that's a a great answer, you know, and that sort of sums it up very well. This whole thing about possessions, I do want to make it clear that in order to function in the world, you need possessions. In order to function as a spiritual organization, whatever spiritual organization, you need possessions. You need a building, you need vehicles, you need computers, you need all of these things. But the thing is not having that attachment. And it's the whole axiom that I always like to conceive of a city yogi, that we have this prathara or this sense detachment, but yet we're living within the city, but we're able to detach from the environment of the city. We're not of the city, but we still live in the city. And um, it all comes out to attachment. Paul just summed it up great. You said you could dislike someone and still love them. You explain love quite beautifully. We know what that is. So then dislike would be an aspect of ego? Certainly could be, uh, certainly a part of our lower nature. But the, I think the lesson within that dislike could be pride. There's a lot of reasons why someone doesn't like each other. The master talked about pride as being the greatest killer on the spiritual path, or almost the greatest killer on the spiritual path is pride. So there's a lot of things involved with like and dislike, but the important thing is is that, again, we're not in the definition of love, unconditional love. You have to be able to rise above that and still be able to express that love to that person, that country, whether you like them or not. I don't think any of us like what the hunter are doing in Myanmar, Uh, depriving their own people of necessary and essential water and medication, shelter, etc., food. Uh, How can one like that? One can't like that, but the idea is to still find the love because within these people there is still the spark of God. And as we manifest that, we will actually help these individuals themselves to become hopefully better human beings and more compassionate human beings. I think the great lesson is something that Paul touched on earlier is that the earth doesn't judge. The earth just continues to give its expression of divine love. The sun doesn't judge whether we're worthy, whether we're liked or not, or whether we've been good or bad today, whether it should shine or not, but it just gives. It gives, it gives, it gives unconditionally. And that pattern is manifested throughout creation. And I think if we, as the microcosm to that pattern, can take a few steps in that direction uh, and use that as a pattern, it'd be something that um, 
would serve us very well in the future. Paul, I think it's uh, how about time for uh, an extract, unless Please. Um, the wisdom floweth. I think an extract would be a very good idea, a very wise idea. Uh, very good. I second that. I haven't told people very much yet about Operation Starlight because I'm one of those individuals who can carry experiences within his very limited mind for a time and I feel it far better to write those experiences down and then I can talk about them freely rather than talk about them a bit at a time and get one overlapping into another. But I will tell you a little bit about what happened to me last Saturday while the charging of this mountain Kinder Scout was going on. Now, I went to the place that was to be charged and it necessitated travelling through a tiny little cutting upon which on each side there were boulders. Well, I took no notice of this at all. I just walked straight up through this cutting, sat down on the rock, many things happened. Among one of the things was this, that I was taken to the centre of the earth. And I had the great privilege and great honour of seeing the logos of this planet, the great flame which actually burns in the centre of the earth. Energies from which we all use in order to gain experience. Then I was informed that energy this energy coming from the centre of the earth must be passed through the channel in order to unite with the energy coming from the sun. And in this unity was wisdom. Well, it was a very simple way of illustrating the great truth the truth which answers all our queries and questions about all forms of religion, all forms of magic, whether it be black and white. The science, the science of the psychic centers and their operation. When the normal individual draws upon energy, he uses that energy through certain psychic centers and the result is a manifestation of anger, greed, hate, um, possession, some form of love and so on. When the Great One draws upon the very same energy, it is not different in any way. He brings it through the channel or through the tiny little channel which is centered in the middle of the spinal column. He brings it up to higher psychic centers, the heart center and above, and this energy manifests as love. 
not possession. There's a great deal of difference. Possession can be um, a very wrong thing. This is not love. In fact, the man who really loves is he who possesses nothing or no one. The greatest lover is the man who is the most independent in certain ways. One cannot manifest love unless one has spiritual independence. I ask you to think about that. Very important lesson, isn't it, about the um, love and spiritual independence and possession and how the Master talked about the energy of love manifesting certainly from the heart and above. I believe it's in the Nine Freedoms where it's described love as radiating from the heart, throat, and Ajna Chakra or Christ Center in equal proportion uh, is a manifestation of, of love. So that's sort of a, a deeper metaphysical aspect. The thing that we can't do is to get so locked up into the, the deep metaphysics of it and, and forget to put it into practice in our daily life on a very basic and powerful level. I think it's also interesting to note that St. Francis of Assisi, when he had this ex- wonderful experience of oneness, uh, that he, he, he abandoned... His, you know, his inheritance from his father. He abandoned all possessions, and he remember he gave away everything that he had, and he, he just retained his his loincloth. And there's a wonderful photograph of the possessions, so-called, of Mahatma Gandhi at the time of his death, and it's literally just six things of, of no monetary value. It's a book of prayers, his spectacles, his loincloth again, and these are you know these are the very enlightened, relatively speaking, masters uh, individuals among us. And Dr. King himself speaks at the time when he was first contacted by an extraterrestrial intelligence uh, that it was necessary for him to give up his, his possessions such as they were at that time. It's a lesson for us all. And yet at the same time, and tied into this, is this whole concept in a way of sacrifice, that the love is in the giving or in the, give, in the giving up. We've, you know, how often we hear about giving a gift. Actually, one gets more from giving a gift than receiving a gift. Actually, what Dr. King was instructed to give up all of his possessions except one suit, which was one of the early tests that he had to uh, do to reduce his possessions to a single suit uh, before his mission really fully started. It's interesting what Paul talked about uh, with uh, St. Francis of Assisi. I was in... Uh, Italy a couple years ago with Chrissy and some other folks, and we had stopped in Assisi, and in his monastery just outside the town, they have a very powerful, beautiful place, and apparently within this monastery, they had the place where Assisi had this contact with Jesus, and Chrissy and I didn't know where it was, but we were walking through the monastery, and this one corner, this one place, this area was full of light, power, love. We just felt, you know, amazed with it. And we asked one of the monks, one of the brothers, if this was the place. And he said, I don't speak English in English. And then he smiled and shook his head because he couldn't say, tell people, but by he actually told us that this was a place where uh, St. Francis had his contact. So that was just a, a little aside. 
I guess to sort of finish this particular podcast on the third blessing, you've made a note here how you know to give examples of how we can use love in our daily life. Um, well, certainly just following on from what we've been saying and what Dr. King has been saying and what this transmission is saying is simplify our lives in terms of the things that we do possess, things that we don't actually necessarily need. And it's a, it's a very difficult task. Remember in the Bible, this man comes up to Jesus and says, uh, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, okay, go away and sell everything that you have and then come and follow me. It's a, it's a very difficult thing for us at this stage in our evolution to do, to even consider where the whole tide is going in the opposite direction. We find our security in the more things that we have. But certainly, bit by bit, insofar as we can, and we all can, give up more and more of the things to which we are attached. And in its place will come an awareness, an enlightened awareness, of which a manifestation of which is, is love for ourselves and by giving up a sacrifice for the world as a whole. Those are very good points. But I want to take it down to sort of a, as different people had commented on earlier when we talked about blessed are they who love for they are disciples of God. And the fact is we all sit down and we do our practices. We come to our services. We come to Operation Prayer Power. And we're all engaged in spiritual work. But how do we live our lives outside of the time we're sitting around doing our practices or attending services? And I think this is the thing that we that. I certainly need to focus on, and I think it's important for most people to focus on and respect that. How do we manifest love when we leave our practice uh, chair or when we leave the temple? What do we do with our lives? We have to remember that we condition energy 24 hours a day. Wherever we go during the day, energy is moving through us. We add to that energy our emotions, our likes, our dislikes, our thoughts, And the energy changes for better or worse. If we can move through the day with a conscious awareness of opening up that heart and make it a point to make that day so that you will be a radiator of love and everywhere you go and everything you touch, you will leave it better. You're walking along the street and you're sending this love out. You're holding the highest thoughts. You go into a store and the person behind the counter, you send them some love. You give them a blessing. Uh, the person in front of the bank, strangers, homeless peoples, animals, plants. And this how we turn on, and I like to call it turning on your heart switch and leaving it on during the day, that we can begin to take a step in becoming a lover in the highest sense of the word. We're taking a single step in that direction, but I think it's certainly an important one and a way that we can use this great power of love. We have to remember that love is a part of the initial creative force. So all things respond to love. And I think there's ways in which we can use this energy throughout 24 hours a day, healing, prayer, wherever we go. We can be a a love machine on wheels and just spread the light, spread the love, and begin to put it into practice in our life. Remember we talked about earlier about this building up cycle and we're going to be wrapping this up in a minute, we talked about this building up cycle, and this applies with how we radiate our love during the course of the day. The more we love, the more we are loved, and the more we are able to love, and the more we're loved back, and the more we're able to love. 
So this building up cycle not only applies to spiritual power and energy and healing light, but it applies to the use of love. The more we use it, the more we get back, the more we can use it. And not to date myself or anyone in the audience, but one of my favorite quotes to express this concept is from one of the Beatles songs. And it says, And in the end, the love you take is equal to the love that you make. And I think that sort of sums that concept up. Now, Gary, I didn't think you were going to finish with a quote from the Beatles. I thought you had one from the Master Jesus himself, from the one who came in grace. I certainly do. We're putting everything in perspective. This is just an an excerpt from a transmission or channeling that was given on September the 14th, 1957, from the giver of the blessings, the great Master Jesus. And it's entitled, One Who Came in Grace. O my beloved children, I bring you all my blessings. I bring you all my love. Turn again to that wondrous power of God, which is within you all. O dear sweet children, be kind to those who would show cruelty to you. Be sweet to those who would face you with bitterness in their hearts. If you do this, O my brothers, you will be great. You will know that God doth dwell among you all. I come again at this time to implore you to turn again to these teachings of God so that you might radiate this wonderful light of sweet, everlasting love around you, so that you might impregnate those who are blind, so that you might raise those who are sick at heart. I came to earth to teach you how to love through God. Come I not to teach you to love me, but your brother. And therein lies the lesson to our successful futures. And that's our mission. So let's all just close this podcast by closing the eyes, raising our hands in prayer, again visualizing the white light flowing down through us, this light of God that we are here to manifest and radiate into our world. And let's all join now in the prayer given at the end of this blessing by the Master Jesus. O mighty God, who is the creator of all things, we pray that your light may shine through us all so that we may transmit this unto the world. O my children, go with God. And this blessing was delivered on Sunday, August the 10th, 1958. Thank you very much. Thank you all. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. 
kind attention. We sincerely hope you enjoyed this podcast. For further information on these podcasts or the Ethere Society in general, please visit us on the web at www.ethereus.org.